Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Thank you, Pastor Seth, for that wonderful edition of We Are Family. It's funny because my office is right next to the media room, and so throughout this week, I kept hearing him singing that song next door as he was uh, preparing that video. So, uh, hey, welcome to church. How many of you are glad you're at church tonight? Well, I'm really glad that you're here, and uh, we're excited about this new series that we're doing, and and so I just want to uh, take a moment right now, and we're going to just, we're going to pray And we're going to ask God to intervene on our behalf and show us what we need to see. Amen? Amen. God, we're so grateful for all that you do. And Lord Jesus, right now, as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you would illuminate it for us, that you'd show us what we need to see. God, I know that we all are in different places in our faith journey. But God, what's amazing about your word is when we apply it right where we are, Lord, you, you press us forward. And we thank you for that, and we give you all the praise. Lord, I lift up those who will be joining us in Star Valley. And God, we do lift up Zeb and Stacy and the kids as they're all sick right now. Lord, we pray over the volunteers and the team that will be making church happen tomorrow morning. And God, we just thank you for all that you're doing there. Lord Jesus, we pray for our campus in Malawi. And and Lord, for those who are watching in jail and in prison, Lord, even the letter that we just received today of a young man who's just being transformed by your word. And we're so grateful, God, for what you're doing. So Lord, I just pray wherever we are, that as we hear your word, it will change us. It will do what it needs to do. And we just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the next few weekends, we're going to dig into what is the church? What is the church supposed to be? And you hear us talk about things like we're family. And so I I really felt like that's what we needed to name this. But I also wanted to take a few minutes uh, each week to talk just a little bit about what that looks like. So I want to start with 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, I'm writing these things to you now even though I hope to be with you soon, so that I, if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is a pillar and a foundation of the truth. So I want to look at this for just a few moments. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a pastor's home. So we were at church all the time. We were at church continually. We had two Sunday morning gatherings. We had a Sunday night gathering. We had a Wednesday night church. We had Tuesday nights often where they had, they had Bible study or whatever. Even on the weekdays when I wasn't in church, I was in the church building. And I grew up with, uh, the understanding of this being the Lord's house. How many of you remember the days when you'd hear older people in your life, especially when they started it with don't run you're in God's house. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that as a kid, I remember being a kid trying to figure out where does God sleep? (laughs) Literally as a little kid, I was always trying to figure out where's God's room. Like, where is he sleeping in his house? And, and, but that like, those of you who grew up in the era that I grew up in, in church, I had a set of parents and then I had a hundred sets of parents right? Like you, you were running and all of a sudden you, had, you were getting slapped upside the head by some other person that felt the obligation to make sure that you didn't run in God's house. It's very confusing when the church that I grew up into added a gymnasium to the church. 
wasn't quite sure what to do with that. But I want to talk a little bit because I think that we can, we can misunderstand what the role of the church is. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to dig into this a little bit. I was reading in a book called Deep and Wide, and this was a pretty good explanation. So I'm going to actually read this excerpt to you of where the church started, how it came about. In AD 313, Constantine, soon the emperor of Rome, legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire. Actually, he legalized freedom of religion in general. And before this edict, Christianity had been outlawed because Christians insisted that Jesus was the new emperor or king. So furthermore, they refused to accept any emperor as divine. Consequently, the church suffered localized but intense persecution for the first 300 years of its existence. This was especially true during the times of Nero, Domitian, and uh, Diocletian. Even during periods of reprieve, Christians were barred from positions of authority. They were ostracized by the communities, charged with random crimes and stripped uh, down to poverty. Gathering was difficult and dangerous. But with the arrival of Constantine, things began to change. So in the beginning, few rulers paid attention to the edict. As Constantine's power grew, however, tolerance for Christianity grew as well. And then something really big happened. Constantine declared himself a Christian. So imagine the shockwaves that ran through the empire, a Christian emperor. After generations of failed attempts to stamp out Jewish, this Jewish knockoff religion centered around a Galilean carpenter, the emperor himself had joined the cult. Unbelievable, suddenly it became fashionable to be a Christian. And before Constantine's rise to power, Christian worship was relatively informal. Believers met in homes, enjoying what they called love feasts, um, the ancient equivalent of a potluck banquet. And after the meal, they would, sing, they would sing hymns, they would read scripture, they would discuss theology, and they would share communion. And in rare cases, the gathering of Christians in a tolerant city might even dedicate a special room in a small building for their meetings. But these were uh, nothing more than ordinary buildings decorated with simple murals. And after Constantine's conversion, powerful people uh, brought their formal notions of worship to them and, and uh, they began, things began to change and it began to influence Christian communities. So Christian worship began to incorporate elements of imperial protocol, including incense, ornate clothing, processionals, choirs, and pageantry and worship became formal. And as it went on, we see that uh, the Christians would meet, sometimes they would even meet by somebody who had been martyred. They would meet either at the place where they were martyred or they would meet by that martyr's grave. And so they would do communion there as, as a sign of like solidarity with the person that had passed on. And as time went on, they, they moved from this place where now more and more people of influence were becoming Christians. And as they did that, the church began to shift and we began to see how many of these people with influence would take and they would would move from this idea of, of um, just a small gathering or people coming together. It was called Ecclesia, and it was, it was a movement more than anything else. It was less about a building and more about a movement of people who were following Jesus Christ. But now these people with power and authority and, and it becoming legalized, they began to build buildings, and they would, they would call that now the church. 
And so it became about a building. And so I want to take a few minutes today and I want to I want to look into that for just a moment. Because I think that in our culture today, we've gotten to a place where we have we have kind of bought into that lie that church is a building. Cuz it's not a building. Church is more than a building. So you say, what does the word church mean? Well, the word church comes from the Greek word in the New Testament, that the, this ecclesia, which is a, basically this space of being a movement, a, an assembly of people who believed in Jesus Christ, who were moving in a direction where they were trying to change the world. And so what is the purpose of the church? Well, the purpose of the church, capital C, is threefold. And I wanna talk to you about these three things today because I think if we can grasp this, it will change maybe the way we approach even, even our, our faith journey. And the first one is this. The first thing is the church is here to be a ministry unto God. What does that mean? That means when we gather, we're here to minister unto God. We're here to praise him. We're here to bless his name. Can I just tell you something? Some of you are confused. You're maybe new to your faith and you come in and you sit in these seats and you see a, a professional group of musicians come up here and they sing songs and some of you participate and some of you watch. Some of you stand with your latte and you just enjoy the show. Can I tell you, that's never what this has ever been about. This is our opportunity to minister to God. It's not a concert. It's not a show. It's not for you, actually. We're not doing it for you. We're doing it for our God. It's more of an opportunity for you to realize that you've been part of, you've become part of a choir. So you're part of this. It's not them versus us. It's all of us. These guys are up here leading the choir as we minister to God. As we give him glory, as we honor him in all that we do, we're worshiping our God. How many of you know that when you praise our God, when you bless our God, it changes things? So that's the number one thing that we're supposed to be doing. Now, over these next few weeks, I'm going to be referring to this gathering that we have together in different ways. But one of the ways I want you to kind of wrap your mind around is as if this is, a, this is an opportunity for a family meal. Like where we all, like you have family that you're, that you're always family. You're always, whatever your last name is, your last name is always your last name. Even when you're with your family or not with your family, you always have that same last name, right? But there, you have these opportunities where as a family, we come together and those are important times where we get to commune together, we get to spend time together, where we get to, we, and as, as Shannon and I, our kids have grown and, and now they've all actually left our house. You can give that a round of applause. Um, but, but now we look forward to those moments where they all come back together. And so this last week on Thursday, we actually had the opportunity. It's been a while. Some of our kids were out of town. We've had things going on. My wife was sick for a while. And so we haven't had a, a space where we've all gotten together. And so this last Thursday, we had one of those opportunities. I want to show you the video. The acting in that was just in amazing. <laughs> the, the filming, I mean, that was like a, a, a huge production, that thing. Uh, yeah, the mom was the best. That's true. Um, I want to make a point with that. Some of you 
This is our family dinner. This is our opportunity to come together. And many of you, you treat it like Logan in the video. You come in late, you sit on your own, and you leave before it's done. Ooh, all right. I'll say it to this side. You come in late, and you leave before it's done. Now you watch that video and you're like, man, that's rude. But can I tell you, if we change our mindset and we understand that we're here, not for us. It's not about us. We're here to minister to our God. We're here, so again, if you're the choir, this is the choir director. How many of you know, if you got a, if you got a, a concert that you're in the choir, you don't show up 10 minutes late. You show up on time, right? Some of you are like, all right, moving on. I want you to understand why this is so important. The psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 3, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us lift up his name together. I remember being a kid and I got my first magnifying glass. And I was super excited because it's really amazing to see things in a different way. You see things that are, until I figured out the sunlight thing and the ants, right? <laughs> then it became a whole different game. But before I figured that piece out, it was, it was great because you could see things. They looked way bigger, even the way that you looked at your hand, the way that you looked at other stuff. And it was really cool. There's something about magnifying something. So as we look at scripture, it says, come in, let's magnify the Lord. Why? So you spend all week magnifying your problems, so come together and let's be together and let's not magnify our problems anymore. Let's magnify the Lord. Why? Because it gives us the real true perspective. If we magnify God and we give him his due and we, we're here to honor him and to bless him and to walk that out, then all of a sudden when you may come into this place and you feel so heavy because of all the stuff that's going on this week. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's been that week where you're struggling and you even debated about what, I don't even know that I want to be in there right now because I'm having a hard time. But in those moments, if you come in and you go, you know what, I, I'm in the choir and we're magnifying our Lord. And you do that, now all of a sudden when you begin to magnify God, guess what happens to your problems in your mind? They begin to do this as he begins to do this. So it's so important, not only for God, but it's important for you. The question to you today is, what is it that you're magnifying? The next thing that we need to realize is that church was never meant to be a spectator sport. I appreciate our amazing team and staff of volunteers who made, make our live stream. We were, we actually, I got on to, to YouTube just even last night and we were looking at some different things. And I was just, uh, I, I said to my wife and, and to a friend of ours that was over, we just said, you know, man, this is, we've come so far. Our team has done so great. Pastor Seth has done an incredible job. Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Hunter, they've worked really hard to make it excellent. And they've got a great team around them that are working really hard. And I love that because I want to do things with excellence. But then there's part of me that always struggles because there's so many people that will then stay home and watch 
And can I tell you, my hope for the live stream is, first of all, we feed Wyoming with it, so that's, that's important, and that's part of the reason we stepped the game up as much as we have, but, but part of the reason we do live stream or it's open to everybody is, I want it to be an in case of emergency kind of a thing. You're homesick, or you're having surgery, or you're, or you're away, and you're on a vacation, and you still want to check out what's going on. That's great. It never was meant to be a, this is my church now. And here's part of the reason why I'm saying that. Some of you are like, yeah, but I still get to hear the message and all the things. But here's the deal. I don't imagine that too many of you are magnifying the Lord while you're sitting in your living room. Now, I may be wrong, but I don't see a lot of you probably watching online and you're just sitting in your living room singing. Maybe you do. But I would guess most of you are sitting in your living room or you're, I had, I had somebody say to me not too long ago, I said, hey, we miss you. They hadn't really come back since COVID. And I was like, hey, we miss you. And they're like, yeah, we just got used to watching church in our pajamas while we eat breakfast. How many of you know that's a spectator sport? I don't want to be a binge watch Netflix thing. I want this to be a place where you come and you worship and you magnify the Lord and you, and you, and you give him honor and, and, and what he's due. But it's not just to be ministry to our God. The second thing is, it's also to be ministry to the believers. I love this because we come to church. What we're doing right now, what I'm doing right now is called preaching. Which I'll say that because I have many of you that are new to the faith and I love it. I always love it when I'm standing in the back. Last week I had a young person come up and they said, man, I really loved your speech. And I was like, okay, cool. Or some people will say, man, I really love the little talk you gave today. I'm like, okay, that's cool. We call it preaching, if you're new to the faith. Um, and what preaching means is to proclaim. And this is, this is something that, what I love about this is throughout the whole world on this weekend, there will be people like me who will stand at a pulpit like this, who will open God's word and they will proclaim the truth of who God is. The Bible talks about that there's power in our preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the power of God. What's amazing about this is that we can all come into this room from all the different places and all the different spaces that we are in our faith journey and God will speak to us right where we are. It's amazing to me if you, if I could just let you hear just one week what I hear from people that are like, hey, I don't know how you knew that, but man, what you were, you know, did somebody tell you? Because that's what, and how good is the Holy Spirit, right? Richard, my, my buddy Richard always is like, hey, you just preached that right to me. And you know what? Other people will say that too. That isn't me. That's the Holy Spirit. And as we proclaim truth, you may be in the room today and it's your first time and you're not even sure about your faith journey. And I want to tell you right now, if you will open your ears and listen, God will speak to you. Or you may be in the room and you've been in your faith for for 80 years and God will speak to you. Why? Because there's power in his word. But the church is not just here for ministry to God or ministry to the believers, it is here to minister to the world. And that means that you and I gather on the weekend so that we can scatter through the week. 
It means that we come together for a family meal so that we can get ourselves strong enough to go out and to share our faith with this lost and dying world. We're supposed to be the church at work. We're supposed to be the church at school. We're supposed to be the church in our neighborhood. That's why the church is not a building. The church, this building is great and it makes it so that we can gather to have our family meal. But the honest truth is you are the church. I am the church. And that's part of the reason that this church has always done so much outreach. It was pretty cool today because uh, I was thinking about, it was probably 13 years ago that we were, we were uh, still just kind of a new church, figuring things out. And we had a young man that went to the Dream Center in Los Angeles, California. And this young man went and he was in high school and, and, and God laid on his heart this idea of starting a ministry where we would be able to take and, and ask people to bring furniture to us. And the original thought behind it was if somebody went through and suffered like a house fire or something like that, that, they would, that we would have furniture that we could go and we could, we could help them in the middle of their tragedy. And as we gathered all this furniture, we began to do this again, just a small little church. And as we began to do this, then all of a sudden we were getting phone calls from people who were, had been experiencing homelessness and were now getting their first house. And so they said, hey, do you have some furniture? And so we gave it and then we got more furniture. And then we hear about a mom who is leaving an abusive relationship and she's now getting an apartment. And so we give the furniture and we collect more. And out of that, this thing that now is called Hands of Hope was first called first responders. Part of the reason I'm telling you this, first of all, I want you to understand it's our job to minister to this world. But the young man who actually started that ministry surprised me today and was walking through the parking lot on the way to church. I haven't seen him in a long time. And so TJ Long, will you stand up so you all can see? Jeff, you need to talk to him afterwards. Jeff, will you stand up? Jeff is the guy who runs Hands of Hope now. So TJ, when you gave up hauling all that furniture up the stairs, this is the guy that took, took, took that from you. But the church is called to minister to the people. So how do we minister to the people? See, if the church is a building, then it's gotta be all about we're dragging you in here. Like, okay, we gotta find a way that we can get everybody in here because this is how we minister because it's gotta be in the building. No, you are the church. So when you go out and you minister, the church is ministering to the world. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Don't you love the idea that Jesus is giving for us that we're to be such progressive, such aggressive church that we are literally rescuing people from hell. See, the church isn't a building in East Missoula. The church isn't a building in, in Afton, Wyoming. The church isn't a building in Melange, Malawi. The church isn't, the church is you. Amen. The church is me. And when Jesus says the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against that, you know what that means is that means that there's power in you being the church. 
It means that you can step into a world that is lost and dying. You can step into a place where it's hard and it seems like there's no hope. And guess what? Because he is with you, because he resides in his church, you have the ability to see strongholds broken. You have the ability to see those who have been caught in addiction set free. You have the ability to see people who are sick healed. Because you are the church. Are we ecclesia or are we just settling for a building? Are we what we were originally called to be? Are we a, a people that are a movement, that are gaining ground, that are taking back from the enemy what he's stolen? Or are we just reliant on this space? We come in once a week. You know, I gotta be honest with you, Saturday night, you guys are way better at being on time and being in your seats when church starts. Sunday morning, they struggle. It's a struggle bus for them. And I'll tell them that tomorrow. I'm not gossiping. I got no problem telling them that tomorrow. Uh, sometimes Seth and I joke about it because he'll get up to lead worship and we'll look out and it's like, oh man, it's like half full today. And by the time it's done, almost every Sunday now, we not only have every chair that we own, it's all the way to the back wall. How amazing is that? That's great, but it's kind of crazy that the choir misses the first couple of songs. We'll be talking to them tomorrow about that. Church is a movement more than a location. It is people more than a building. I'm so grateful that God has provided for us a space that we can meet. But can I tell you, if, God, if something happened and this building was gone tomorrow, the church isn't gone. You're still here. So we need to realize that when we talk about church, we're here to minister to our God. That's, that's why we have family meal together. We want to come together and we want to honor him and worship him and give him the honor and the glory that he's doing. So if you come into the room on Saturday night or Sunday morning and you walk in late and you watch other people sing and you don't really participate or you're on your phone looking at social media, can I tell you, you're not doing what the church is called to do because we're here to minister to our God. And then the church is here to minister to us. What does that mean? It means that when we walk into this place, there should be a level of expectation. Like what happens if all of a sudden, all of us who are called by his name, all of us who say that we believe he is who he says, what if we came into the room with a level of expectation where we said, I'm coming in and I don't know what God's got for me, but I know he's got something for me tonight. I know he's gonna do something inside of me tonight. And when we do that, then all of a sudden, guess what? God will never disappoint. The problem is most of the church, we come in with no expectation. Our hope is that they'll sing the songs we want him to sing, that, we'll, we'll, we, that the bald guy won't go too long because I want to I wanna get to the restaurant before everybody else gets to the restaurant afterwards. And can I tell you, if that's your level of expectation, sometimes we're going to totally disappoint you because I'm going to go long. And Seth's going to sing songs you don't know. The reality is, if you come in expectant, God's going to show up because the church is here to minister to his people as well. And then we're here to minister to the world. 
Now, some of that happens in here on the weekends too. And it happens actually all day on Saturday because we got all kinds of things happening. But it also happens while you're at work. Should. It all happen. It should also happen while you're in your neighborhood talking to your neighbor over the fence. Should also happen when you're at the grocery store. When you're getting coffee from the coffee shop. Because you are the church. The church goes where you go kind of a representation are you of the church see if I told you this a few weeks ago there are a lot of Monday morning atheists and God's calling his church to realize you are the church church isn't something you go to it's something you are so it's time for you to walk that out are we simply are we moving or are we simply meeting Are we making a measurable difference in our community or are we simply conducting services? What about you? Am I representing Christ and his church? Not just on the weekend, but Monday morning. What about Friday night? See, Friday night, you're still the church. If we grasp this, it changes everything. The amazing thing is it's spelled out. It's not actually hard for us to understand, but because culture has become church is a place that you go to, we got to get back to what what the Bible says church is. In fact, I'll just throw this out to you. If you're not involved in a life group, you should be. Because there's something about the, the big becoming small. There's something about being in a space where you can have conversation that goes deeper then you're able to hear. I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes with me for the next few moments. I really felt like as we were in worship today, just praying about how do you wrap this up? How do I close this time? And I know that this is a message that wasn't actually had anything to do with your salvation, but I really feel as though there are some of you in this room that are within the sound of my voice even right now that you are in a place where you aren't actually even serving God right now. So when I talk about the church, you don't really even understand any of that at all. But I really feel like I need to give you an opportunity this evening to just say yes to Jesus Christ. So if you're in the room today and you don't have a relationship with God, I just want to make one thing clear with you. It's not anything to do with religion. It's not about jumping through a bunch of hoops. It's not about looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, talking a certain way. It's not about any of that stuff. See, God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on a cross so that you can have a right relationship with God, not because you deserve it, but because he paid for it. And he loves you so much that he wants to take your sin and your shame. Some of you came in here and you got so much mess that you can't even imagine what it would feel like to have that lifted from you. But the God of the universe loves you and he he made a way so that if you accept Jesus into your life that you can, your sin and your stuff can be removed from you. In fact, it says as far as the east is from the west, it says he throws it into his sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. Some of you need that relief tonight. You need to just know, man, I'm, I'm free of that stuff. So if that's you in this room today and you just say, you know, Jason, I want to make my relationship right with God. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you are. 
So if that's you, would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand and catch my eye so I can pray with you before we leave this gathering tonight? Is there anybody like that at all that would just say, yeah, that's me. I see you back there, man. Thank you. Is there anybody else in the room? Yeah, I see you back there. Thanks for your honesty. Yeah, thank you way back there. Is there anybody else today that would just say, hey, Jason, will you just remember me in this closing prayer? I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm asking everybody in the room if you just repeat this prayer with me, whether you raised your hand or you didn't. This prayer is gonna seem pretty simple, but it's profound if you mean it. If you'll say, yeah, God, I, I believe. I believe that you sent your son. I believe that, you, that he died on the cross. I believe that because of that, I can have forgiveness of sin. All of those things, when we, when we vocalize that and we mean it, you become a new creation. It's the greatest miracle of all time because the stuff that you should have to pay for now gets paid for by Jesus. So I'm going to ask everybody, will you just repeat this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Today I'm expressing that I trust you. I believe that you came and you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose again on the third day. And today I'm choosing to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to be who you're asking me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, church. If you just accepted Jesus, you are now the church. I want us to close this. We're going to have our prayer teams are going to be up here and they're going to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, they'd love the opportunity to do that. But I'd like to close this with a choir. I'd like you to just minister to our God. I'd like you to sing out his praises. I'd like you to magnify him. Some of you still are sitting here and you've got a problem that seems overwhelming. Can I tell you, in this moment, will you magnify your God instead of magnifying your problem? And watch the peace that surpasses your understanding because it's available to you. Will you stand as we sing? Let's worship together. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.